Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jimmy Tingle Show. I am Jimmy, and I want to introduce you to a new segment of our show, the Meet the Candidate series. It is intended to give candidates running for public office a platform and a voice. So voters know who is running for office, why they're running, and what they hope to accomplish if they are so fortunate to be elected. So please feel free to share these interviews with your family and friends and citizens around this fine land, because an educated and informed population is essential for a healthy democracy. And isn't that what we all really want? A healthy democracy? Enjoy the interviews. Stay healthy. My name is Jimmy Tingle, and I approve this message. Hello, everybody. This is Jimmy. Welcome back to the show. This is the Meet the Candidate section of our show, where we try to give a platform to people who are running for office here in Massachusetts. My next guest is Diana DiZoglio. She is a state senator representing Merrimack Valley, the North Shore, Greater Lawrence and Greater Haverhill and many other towns in that area. She is now running for state auditor. Before we get into what state auditor actually does, I want to introduce you to Diana. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for having me on the show and giving me the great opportunity to speak with your your viewers and your listeners uh, about why I'm running for state auditor and share a little bit about my personal journey and what I'm passionate about and what I think we can do in the state auditor's office. Uh, a little bit about myself first. Uh, my name is Diana DeZoglio. I am a current state senator representing portions of the Merrimack Valley and North Shore. Uh, very humbled to have served for uh, 10 years now. I'm currently in my 10th year of service in the legislature. And uh, just a little bit about my background. I was, I was born to a 17-year-old single mom in the city of Methuen, grew up housing insecure. We moved around quite a bit during my childhood, mostly between the cities of Lawrence and Methuen, depending on where my mom could find work as a young nurse's aide back then. Uh, went through the public school system, ended up graduating from Methuen High School, and then going off to uh, our, our local community college where uh, I was able to obtain an associate's degree that was affordable thanks to our legislature's investments in families like mine. From there, I ended up earning a seat at Wellesley College, where I was so grateful to have earned a seat at, but the only reason I was able to actually attend uh, was because of a full financial need-based scholarship. And knowing that, Jimmy, is really what inspired me to give back to my community in whatever way I could. Uh, So since I couldn't do so financially, I went into uh, more nonprofit and community service work. I had worked at a young teen girls' home as a domestic violence survivor myself during childhood. I wanted to work specifically with young teen girls who had also survived domestic violence in the home. And I served as a live-in mentor at that home. I also worked at Girls Inc., helping to run their after-school programs as a volunteer coordinator. And I also served as the cultural arts coordinator at the United Teen Equality Center, expanding their diversity, equity, and inclusion programming working specifically with inner city youth. Now, simultaneously through those years, I continued to do what I did to pay my way through college, which was waitress and clean houses. Uh, As many working families know, you might love what you do for a day job, but it doesn't always afford you with the opportunity to live with a standard of dignity in the community that you're working hard to serve. Uh, This is one of the reasons why I've been such a passionate advocate for our labor organizations uh, to make sure that working families have a voice to live with a standard of dignity in their communities. But Jimmy, you know, look, it was during that time that I was doing all of these different jobs that I got offered a job working in the House of Representatives as a legislative aide. There was a state rep that needed someone who spoke fluent Spanish and had deep community ties. And I had both of those things to offer. And frankly, I needed health insurance. So I went in, I applied for the job. 
Uh, and I ended up getting the job and it opened up my eyes to all of the wonderful things that our state legislature can do to assist families in our communities from investing in education and health care, fighting against climate change and for environmental justice, fighting for a robust transportation system, fighting for mental health services and substance addiction services. I could go on and on. I learned about all these great things, but I also, during that very short time, and you know my story, I learned about the flip side of how our state government can operate when there's no accountability. As a younger woman in my 20s, many, many years ago, I was actually sexually harassed while I was working in that building in our House of Representatives. And the way that it was thought appropriate to deal with that harassment was to dismiss me from my position and require that I sign a non-disclosure agreement that prevented me from talking about literally anything I had seen, witnessed, or experienced behind those closed doors up on Beacon Hill. That was a taxpayer-funded non-disclosure agreement, by the way, and my severance package was held hostage until I agreed to sign it. But I didn't let them get rid of me or keep me quiet, and I didn't leave state government like they told me to do. I instead decided to run for state rep myself, and a little over a year later made my way back into that same chamber as the youngest woman serving in the House of Representatives at that time. What year was that? That was back in, that was back in, I believe it was, it was around 2010, 2011, because I ran for office subsequently in 2012. But since then, Jimmy, look, when I got elected, I knew it was my responsibility to fight like hell for other families in our communities, like my family was, and maybe for different reasons, but for who like my family was, have either been dismissed or ignored or disenfranchised by a system in our state government that's just not working for all families in Massachusetts the way that it could and the way that it should. And I took on that battle regarding those taxpayer-funded non-disclosure agreements in the House of Representatives. That's a fight that I took with me to the state Senate, where I'm currently serving. And I'm so proud to say that with the support of my colleagues, we've been able to pass my bill unanimously to ban the abuse of those taxpayer-funded non-disclosure agreements, which again, is not only something that silences victims, but it's also a gross abuse of our tax dollars. We've been able to pass that bill. But unfortunately, Jimmy, not everybody in state government is a fan of transparency and accountability and equity. So this is why we have so much more work to do, not just on that issue, but on so many other issues concerning transparency and accountability. And as a state senator, I've been standing up and speaking out about things like the Holyoke Soldiers Home tragedy, for example, where we lost 77 veterans due to mismanagement at that home. I've been calling for investigations and oversight into that situation. But as the auditor, I'll be able to look into that a lot further and I'll be able to audit that situation. Okay. It's very compelling. How long did you serve as state rep? Six years. Six years. And how long did you serve as state senator? Four years. Four years. Okay. So now you're running- four years in total. What were you most proud of as state senator and why are you running for auditor and what does the auditor do? Because I want to know, and I know my listeners want to know. Some of the, some of the things I'm most, it's, it's hard to pick one thing, right? But some of the things that I think we're most proud of um, has been our ability to help increase transparency, accountability, and equity. Those are things that have been important to me since, you know, day one. I've learned through the years, um, you know, about, um, you know, the, the, the need to make sure that we have, um, you know, the support of our colleagues to make sure we're passing some of these things. Uh, into law. And I wouldn't have been able to do any of the work that I've done on this and get anything done um, without the support of my colleagues. So I do want to say any of the work that I say we're proud of, I'm, I'm saying that alongside of you know thanking my colleagues in the state Senate and in the House uh, for the support of these things. 
For example, you know, passing the non-disclosure agreement language, that was something that we were able to do in coordination with others in the Senate who agreed with us. But we have a lot more work to do uh, because, like I said, we have these areas where we do need a light shine on what's been happening, where we haven't seen the accountability that we need. I want to just finish by answering your first um, initial question alongside of my background and why I'm running about what does the state auditor do? I think that's important. Yes. Uh, So the state auditor, a lot of people have asked me why I would ever leave my job in the Senate of advocating for our local communities and legislating to go and do something like count beans in the back room. And I have to set the record straight on that consistently, even with my own family and close friends, um, on what the auditor actually does and is charged with doing. The state auditor here in Massachusetts is an elected role that uh, you know has a responsibility of being the state's chief accountability officer. It's, it's a quality control manager, so to speak, that not just that doesn't just do quantitative audits and financial audits, but that is also charged with doing uh, qualitative audits and looking at our state agencies uh, and organizations and making sure that they're operating as efficiently and effectively as possible. Certainly. There are accountants and there are CPAs and there are auditors that do work in the auditor's office, which is over 200 people currently. Uh, But the auditor herself is charged with being the state's chief accountability officer and managing that office and connecting with residents across the Commonwealth to hear from all of you about what your concerns are regarding these state agencies. She's then responsible for taking that information back to the office and charging her team with conducting the necessary investigations and audits that need to occur, and then producing a report that is, uh, you know, hopefully helpful in moving forward. Things like legislative policy initiatives to make the necessary changes that might need to be uh, implemented according to the audit that is released. So they say that the state budget is a reflection of our values. You can tell a, a state or a country's or a city's values by the budget and the allocations of funds. Do you think our current budget is accurately reflecting our values in the state? I think that we need to put a lot more um, of our investments into things like mental health, substance use disorder, education, and services for our most vulnerable populations across the board. Uh, we have a lot of folks who are not just you know, feeling disenfranchised from a system in state government that's not working for everyone the way that it could and should, but they are disenfranchised from the current system in state government. I can tell you that as a senator, um, I have seen how uh, the lack of transparency and accountability in state government has had a direct impact on working families in my communities who want nothing more than to be able to have a seat at the table where the decisions are made regarding how we're spending these dollars. So whether it's climate change, whether it's transportation, whether it's education, whether it's healthcare, whether it's any of these things and beyond. The real challenge, Jimmy, has been getting working families the voice that they deserve during the processes and procedures that actually uh, allow for these dollars to be spent in these different areas. Mm -hmm. And right now, working families don't have the voice that they deserve because there's a largely centralized process up on Beacon Hill where only a handful of legislative leaders and leaders in the administration I really have a say in those final decisions. Many times I will just be uh, forthcoming here. As a senator, many times uh, I will not even be given an hour to read and reflect on a piece of legislation that I'm expected to vote on mm-hmm. um, before we have to take the vote. 
Now, if I, as a senator, I'm not given ample time to consider legislation or funding priorities for the Commonwealth, for my district, uh, what does that say about how working families are, are being treated regarding this process? So my, my issue here has been, you know, regardless of, of where we're spending the money or how we're spending the money, we need to first start with allowing families in our communities who are the taxpayers, who are funding these budgets that we are voting on. We need to allow those taxpayers a seat at the table where the decisions are being made. And right now that's not happening the way that it could and the way that it should. And that's one of the reasons why I'm running for state auditor, to help okay. to open up the process in whatever way I can and make sure all working families, regardless of our family background, bank balance, or zip code, have a seat at the table before and not after those decisions are made. Tell me, in order to increase transparency, do you need to then work with the, the Senate or the legislature or the governor to enact certain legislation that allows you to do that? Or is that something that the auditor could do on their own? How does that work? So the auditor can work on legislative policy and has in the past. Our current auditor auditor, uh, works with legislators and files uh, policy proposals based on the audits that her office has conducted. I certainly plan to continue that good work and to make sure that when we're identifying gaps in the system, that we are following up on those audits and our findings with, you know, taking action in whatever way we can. And as a legislator, obviously I have, you know, um, I'm in my 10th year of serving in filing legislation and not just filing it, but passing legislation into law. We've passed dozens of proposals, you know, whether it be uh, standalone bills or amendments um, through the process over the course of the last 10 years and been successful in that regard. I will take that experience and that know-how of also going line by line in that state budget uh, to the auditor's role and will have the experience and knowledge of, you know, having already served in the legislative capacity to take that work with me and take the knowledge from those audits and parlay that into uh, legislative policy proposals that we hope can obviously pass and be impactful in making sure that we're remedying the challenges that are potentially identified. So before we get to a closing statement, I just want to ask about a few of the hot button issues uh, that are front and center here in the state. Uh, Recent votes on the fair share amendment. Are you supporting that? Yes. So I've actually uh, voted for that four uh, times in the state legislature Mm -hmm. and uh, was proud to cast my vote in support of that. Uh, you know, we are advocating for its passage. We know about the you know ballot initiative, uh, and I'm strongly supporting that. I was actually the first um, elected official, I believe, uh, to my understanding, in my my district, my Senate district currently, uh, to sign a pledge to support this proposal moving forward. And you know, the intent was to help inspire others to to sign on. Okay. Uh, just for those who don't know what the Fair Share Amendment is, Jimmy, it's if the, I the may, millionaires tax, millionaires yeah. tax, and and proceeds from from the Fair Share Amendment would go towards uh, education and transportation. Now, I will say as a legislator, I have been highlighting the need to make sure that these funds are allocated uh, to where the language of the current proposal says they must be allocated to. I have seen all too often, however, during my time in the legislature that when we do have proposals that pass on ballot initiatives, and I'll take cannabis, for example, recreational uh, cannabis use, uh, you know, a lot of times the voters will say that they want the funds to be allocated specifically to certain causes. But mm-hmm. then when the bill goes through the legislative process, 
the bill gets changed and the funds that are allocated or the revenue that's brought in, there's language that's implemented that says things like subject to appropriation, right? Which makes all of that revenue actually not guaranteed to go to those initiatives, um, but, you know, can uh, allow for those funds to be distributed elsewhere, depending on who happens to be the speaker, who happens to be the Senate president, who happens to be the governor during that time. So I want to make sure, um, and I'm fighting like hell right now to make sure that, you know, that when we pass this, hopefully that uh, we have a lot of accountability uh, around making sure that the funds that are supposed to go to education and transportation actually go to education and transportation. And that's something that I will continue my work on as state auditor in whatever way I'm able to. Um, In terms of the driver's license issue that was recently voted on, how did you vote on that? What do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I believe this is a matter of public safety and working families need to be able to get to work, drop their kids off at school and go to their doctor's appointments. And, and this is driver's care. license for undocumented residents. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, families who are trying to go through the process uh, to get their necessary paperwork to, you know, um, to, to get to where they need to be in the, the immigration process at the federal level, they need to be able to drive to those appointments, too. Right. Uh, and to get to them safely. Uh, furthermore, you know, it was brought to our attention by the Police Chiefs Association that this is a matter of public safety um, for, for officers, for residents, uh, as well, alongside of the tremendous need for uh, working families, um, you know, regardless of their status, to be able to access health care, education, and work opportunities here. Um, so, yes, so we, we um, you know, stood with uh, public safety. We stood with our undocumented residents and making sure that all families in Massachusetts are able to get access to the services that they um, that they need. Thank you. And I just want to get. I want to just address. We've got two minutes left. Just give me one minute on another issue that you we haven't talked about that you're passionate about, and then a closing statement because we have two minutes left. And if there's something that we haven't addressed yet. Please let me let let us know. And then a closing statement of, you know, where people can find you, how they can volunteer, how they can make a contribution. How are they going to be able to do this? So I will just say, uh, look, y'all heard my story. This was never something that I thought that I was going to be doing in a million years uh, growing up or even entering into, you know, professional uh, work, um, you know, in my younger years. But I'm. Circumstances being what they are, I did end up running for public office, and it has been the honor of my life to be able to serve the communities that I grew up in. And I have been standing with working families for the last going on 10 years now in public service, uh, voting alongside of you, working alongside of you, and making progress alongside of you. And thanks to many of you, I would love the opportunity to be able to continue that good work, but I can't do it without you. So I invite you to. Visit my website. It is www.diana4ma.com. That's diana4ma.com, where I lay out my full social justice and equity audit plan, outlying and underlying what I want to do as your next state auditor to help make sure that once again, all families in Massachusetts, regardless of our family background, our bank balance, or our zip code, have access to and accountability from our state leaders and our state agencies. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have been here with you today, Jimmy. And uh, there is a donation link as well on my website and an opportunity to sign up to volunteer. And if residents want to take part in that, I want to say in advance, a very humble and respectful 
thank you. I hope to have your vote on September 6th, the day after Labor Day. Make a plan to vote. Uh, and I thank you all again for the opportunity to be here today. My name is Diana DeZoglio, running for state auditor. Thank you so much, Diana. Diana DeZoglio, ladies and gentlemen, you can find her at Diana for mass.com. Is that correct? Diana for ma.com. Thanks so much. Diana for ma.com. Thank you, Diana. Pleasure to talk to you today and good luck on the campaign and I'll see you on the trail. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at jimmytingle.com. Thank you.